0: This is Jason Hansen, pastor of Anchor Church. Thank you for jumping on to our sermon podcast. My prayer is that as you listen to this sermon, you're encouraged in your walk with Jesus and that you live for him in all of life. Enjoy the sermon now. Last week I was telling you a little bit in my intro about all the times I forgot to put gas in my car. Um, I, can, I can tell you this, that this, is a, this is a pro- has been a problem for me uh, forgetting things, and over my life, I'm working on it. I promise. Speaking of, by the way, if I if I ever forget to email you back or call you, it's not personal. It's just that's just how my brain is. I just think about a thousand different things, and sometimes I forget. Don't take it personally, please. Let me give you another example. Recently, um, I was uh, driving through a drive-through. I think I was late. I didn't have a chance to eat breakfast or something, and I was it was lunchtime, and I was hungry, and I had to get to another meeting. I think I stopped maybe at. Wendy's or something like that to get some chicken nuggets or some whatever they have there, chicken sandwich, and and I, I drive up, you know, I order, drive up to the to the window, I, I pay, they give me my receipt, and I drive I drove away. And it wasn't until I got to the exit of the parking lot that I thought, I oh, don't wait a second. I don't have my food. I don't know, like where's my food? The, the very thing that I, I came there to buy. I didn't have, and so I had to go back. I think I went inside, and I, went, I was just in the drive-thru, and they were all laughing. You know, They're like, nobody's ever driven off without their food before. Um, so, I, so I just drove off without my food. I'm like, oh, I cannot believe it. I just was thinking about so many different things. And lest you think that that's just me, has it ever happened to you where you've gone into a store to get something, and then you buy 10 things, and you get home, and you're like, wait a second, the one thing that I went to get I don't have, I, I forgot to buy it, right? We just forget. Sometimes we get so distracted and we get so caught up in different things that we forget actually to get the thing that we went in to grab. We just, we just forget about it. We don't get it. We leave it where, where it was and we just, ah, I forgot to grasp it. I got, forgot to bring it home. Uh, that's just what it is. Listen, the, the point of the sermon today is this, that a Christian who lacks love for one another is like me going through a drive through paying, and forgetting to get what I was supposed to grab. It's, it, that's, the, that's the point of today's sermon. I'm going to try and keep this sermon a little shorter, so I'm going to fly through some of this. We do have a lot to talk about. I want to keep my voice healthy. but So you need to know this. A lack of love, this is our big idea, a lack of love reveals a lack of gospel growth. A lack of love for one another reveals a lack of gospel growth, so much so that those of us that lack love for one another, it just shows where, where we are, how much we get the gospel. Because if we get the gospel and the love of Jesus for us, it should, should cause us then over time to continue to grow into more and more love for others, yes, but for one another specifically from 1 Peter, the end of chapter 1, is what we're going to see today. If we aren't loving each other, we're we're not bringing home the very thing that Jesus died to give to us, which is union with Jesus, with his, uh, together, the church body, life, together, God's people should be increasingly loving one another. And this is kind of how we want to to move forward today. The question that I would have is this, do we need to uh, strive to love everybody or, or is it just some of, it? like, is it okay if there's one or two people around us that are Christians, we're like, I just don't like this person. So, you know, it's okay if, I, if I'm jealous of them or slander them, because they're just different. Like, I don't like, we don't get along. So those people are fine. I love most people. Like, is it okay to love most people, or should we be thinking about everyone? Is the question. So we want to make sure we hit that at the end. Um, I am going to read uh, the whole, this whole thing. So I'm going to read from verse 13 to the uh, to the third verse in chapter two, and then we are going to figure out how we can we will break it down, figure out how we can live it out. This is First Peter. We're in a series, by the way. I didn't say it's the beginning series in First Peter. We're going to go through the whole letter um, about what it means to live here as Christians. This is a strange land for us. This is not the kingdom of God. This is the kingdom of the world. God exists here. He rules it, but what we live for a different kingdom. And so we, in a lot of ways, one of Peter's main points is we are strangers here. So what does that look like for us to live here as strangers? And we're going to talk about that today a little bit. First Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 13, it says this. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but with the precious, imperishable, undefiled, I'm adding those words, but we already hit those, blood of Jesus Christ. Like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for your sake. Who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. This is our verses but the word of the Lord remains forever. And the word, and this word is the good news that was preached to you. So, put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up to salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. And indeed the Lord is good. And I pray that you have tasted that he is good. Listen, listen. One of, the, one of the hard parts of passages like this that we have is for some reason, and we're going to get to why, but Peter just, he mixes all sorts of metaphors. He's like, you know, purity, which is the gold-silver analogy, you know, going, being purified through fire, and then he goes, flowers fall off, and we're like that, and all he newborn babies, and you're kind of like, I have no idea what he's talking about. He's in all these things. We'll, we'll make sure we, we break it down enough so we can understand it. Listen, if t- for us to understand this passage, I want you to look at uh, the, the, the first verse that we have, which is verse 22. He says, having purified, this is, this is actually the, we have to understand what that means. And to understand what that means, we have to understand where we've been. He, he's talking about, remember last week, the, the big idea last week was we live differently because we have been loved differently. We've been purified by the gospel. It's done something in us, it's changed us. We have been purified. His love for us is so different that Peter's saying, you, You've been purified by that love of, of God. Therefore, love like this. This is what he's saying. Therefore, that love that you've received, this is how you should love. And he says, and he's talking to Christians. Having purified, look at verse 22. Having having purified your souls, that's Christians. By your obedience to the truth, that's Christians. He's saying, believer, Christian, having purified and having been obedient to the truth, this isn't like walking out sanctification obedience. What he's saying is the truth there is the gospel. Having responded, having faith. you, You hear about Jesus and his death for you and his resurrection. And you say, yes, I believe that. I want to walk in obedience to him because of this. This is what he's saying. You've been purified. You, you, you have this truth in you that you've been obedient to. Therefore, because of this, and even more so, look what he says, the word for, having, by, having purified your souls by obedience to the truth, verse 22, for a sincere brotherly love. This is is what he means. This is what he's saying. Follow me. You've purified your souls in the gospel. You've been obedient to the truth and loved Jesus, and you're walking with him. And the point of this is for sincere, brotherly love. Now we think, well, wait a second. I thought the point of the gospel was to save me, I thought the point of the gospel was to give glory to God. And I'd say, yeah, for sure. He's already said that. You've been purified. You, you've, you've, you have the, the obedience to the truth. You love Jesus. You've, you've tasted and seen that he's good. You have all this in you. And the point then of having all of that take place as we gather together is the whole point is for a sincere brotherly love. Meaning that all of us that have been purified, all of us that have been obedient to the truth, when we gather together, one of the things that should happen is we should have affection for each other. And this word here, brotherly love, is, is if you're, you know, we have in our country, the city of brotherly love is what? Philadelphia, right? Oh, somebody's from there. I know, it's Kathy. Um, she's from that area. The city of brotherly love is, is Philadelphia. This is the word where we get it from. Phileo, this is the word, brotherly love. So he says, and it, he wants us to be sincere. It's not some sort of fake, like, yeah, we love each other, I guess, and then we go around behind people's backs and like, I hate that guy. That guy's the worst. Jason's the worst pastor ever. Hey, you're the greatest pastor ever to me, right? This isn't some, somehow like a, a false sense of brotherly love. He's saying sincerity matters. This, the whole point of you having getting together and being brought into the family of God is that you have affection for one another. I mean, Jesus talks about it all the time. They will know you are Christians by your love one for another. So we, so we have this understanding that Peter's saying, yes, you have to find this. As you get the gospel, you will actually live it out with one another. And that love will, will go and it will gather. But it grows, church. It grows because he says sincere brotherly love. But look then what he says a little bit later. Same verse. You, 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 you want to have a sincere brotherly love. Therefore, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. That word "love" there is a different kind of love. You have this, phile- oh, this philadelphia brotherly love, and now you have this. Uh, this in, in Greek it would be agape love. You ever seen like everybody puts agape? Christian people put agape on everything. Agape landscaping, you know, agape pet supplies, agape whatever, because we just have that. You know, it's the, it just means love. But but here's the thing: brotherly love is this affection. It's like, yeah, I love each other. Agape love is fierce. It's defensive. It's not romantic. It's not romantic. It's passionate, but not romantic. It'd be like if you have a best friend next to you and somebody runs up and like, tries to attack that person, you'd go, whoa, hang on for a second. I'm going to defend you because you're, you're my brother here. Like You're my brother. You're my sister. I'm gonna, or you're my, you're my friend. I'm so fiercely defensive of you that I'm going I'm to stick up for you. I'm, gonna, I'm going out because, man, that, that just does something to me. It's that kind of love. It moves from just this We're together to like, I'm fiercely defensive of you. Therefore, have this brotherly love and therefore love one another fiercely, earnestly from a pure heart. This purity comes back, this pure heart. We've been purified, purified by the gospel, walking in obedience to the truth, finding brotherly love. And fierce love as we grow deeper into it, as we get the gospel more, our love for one another should grow. As we see the love of Jesus for us, our love for one another should just continue to grow deeper. This is what Peter's getting at. And this is not small to be purified. This isn't like, well, that's fine. Peter wants us to understand exactly what he means. It's not enough for him to say, therefore, you've been purified, love one another. Peter says, I need to actually make sure you understand what I'm saying. And so he begins to have a couple metaphors here. He says in verse uh, 23, since, meaning because you have been born again. This isn't like you just have your own self and your own self has got to work harder to get there. He's saying, no, you do this because you have a new life. It's not your old life that's doing this. It's the new born-again life. Jesus talks about being born again. I'm sure this is where Peter got it from. Peter's hearing born-again language saying, "No, you've been born again. We're born again not with flesh and blood, but by the spirit of the living God. He does a work in us. He, he, he creates in us a new heart. He creates in us this new affection. We've been born again. Look what he says. Not by imperishable seed. I'm sorry, not by perishable seed, but imperishable. Meaning that, the seed that we are all existing in, our flesh and blood, we were embryos, we grew up in the womb. As soon as we're born, we begin to die. That, that's, that's the way that it works. We, we are born, we grow up a little bit, we get bigger, and then we just, we just slowly die. It's a perishable seed. But what he's done in us by his spirit is imperishable. It does not go away. As long as Jesus exists, the work of the spirit in us will remain. And Jesus Newsflash, in case anybody doesn't understand, Jesus ain't going anywhere. He's risen from the dead. And so we, we know then that every part of us that has been born again, the love that is supposed to exist in us towards each other should not fade like perishable seed, but should remain and actually grow like imperishable seed. That's what it means. We've been born again. And, and in case we didn't get it, This being born again, this seed, is the living and abiding word of God. It's the same uh, thing he's talking about earlier when he says the truth is the same as here, the living and abiding word. It's just the same in verse 25. This word is the good news that was preached to you, the gospel. This gospel reality is imperishable. It's not going anywhere. It stays. It remains. It's living. It's abiding. It's working in us. And then he talks about flesh being like grass. Every year, I talk to Kevin about this, every single year, we try and get our grass to grow. I have to plant seed grass and I'm trying to water it and get it to grow and it's all amazing, but what happens in a few months? It dies. It it grows and it dies. It grows and it dies. I have these hibiscus in my yard and I love to see them grow and these, oh, they're really cool flowers and then eventually they fall off and then I got to clean them up because they just die. You know, everything just dies. The grass that we Grow, the flowers that we see, they wither, he says. They fall off. But the word of the God, the word of the Lord, the seed that's in us, it remains forever. It's not going to fade. Therefore, since you've been born again by this seed, recognize that your love for one another also should not fade, but it should remain. And I would argue what he's saying is it should grow. It should can, the more you get the gospel, it should actually. Grow. We should be increasingly loving each other. Increasingly existing in love for one another. This shouldn't be something that we just look at and say, ah, pff, it's fine. We say, wait a second. No, we, we should be growing as those who are born again. And then to his last, let me just hit his his last little ana- metaphor here, as he's mixing all these metaphors, in verse, oh, let me say this before I say this. He he actually gives us negatives too. He says, Don't have anything to do with malice, envy, look what he says, deceit, slander, hypocrisy. Why? Because those things don't exist in the born-again realm. That's the opposite of defensive, isn't it? That's actually offensive. If I'm looking at somebody, I slander them, I talk about them, I'm like jealous of them, that's actually me taking an offensive position. I'm trying to to undercut people that is not loving, that has nothing to do with love. And so Peter says, put all of that away because the word of God that's in you is is opposed to those things. Jesus did not function this way and you as Christians should look more and more like him. Jesus did not exist towards us with malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander. That is not how he functioned. He functioned in love towards us. And we should then love one another. This is what he means by love one another earnestly, sincerely, put all of that away. If any of that exists in us, put it away. That should not be named among brothers and sisters. It should not be named among the Christians. And man, unfortunately, I just feel like so much of Christendom these days exists to do all of that. And it is. It's just, there's some days... I tell Tiffany, you know, I get angry about these things. <laughs> Tiffany's like, why are you on social media? I'm like, I don't know. That's so dumb. I don't know. But every time I read Twitter, I'm like, why are people like that? Why are Christians? I don't understand. Like, love matters. And listen, the world is watching. The world's watching. We need to put away all of these things, slander and all of this. And then, and then Peter says... Like newborn infants. You've been born again, church? Like newborn infants. Long for the spiritual milk. The pure spiritual milk of God. The one that, that we, we open up the Bible and we see and we know. And as we experience him and as we trust in him, we just see him. We should long for this. To grow up. My, my, one of my kids, I won't say which one. One of my kids... Uh, when, when they were infants, newborns, I mean, the, the desire for milk was strong. Like to the point where screaming, we're like, okay, we're we got it, you're hungry, okay. F- so we would like run, you know, oh my gosh, it's almost time. You know, we got we to gotta figure this thing out because it's about, to, she's about to explode. Like that's the way it's going to work. And we would just go fast and, and it's because such was the desire for milk, Peter's saying, that should be you, Christian. Is that you? should be you. Do you desire so much to, oh, I can't get enough of him. I can't get enough of what it means to grow. Look, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not dumb. I understand we all go through seasons of life. And there's some of you in this room that have not experienced that longing for God in, in recent memory. Here's what I would ask you to do. This is for free. This isn't even part of my two application points. So two things for free, all right? Be diligent about time spent. It could be 30 seconds in prayer to say, God, give me a desire for your word and for you. I mean, if there's anything that God wants to answer in prayer by his spirit, it's that. Just put it in your whatever. Open up your reminders and put a reminder and just say, Lord, help me to pray this. Ask it. And then make a little bit of time, doesn't have to be long, just to sit down and say, hey, I'm going to just plod through the Bible because I, I want God to speak to me. Because create in yourself that desire. If you don't have it, create it. Create it. There, there's something here that God wants us to know through Peter's hand. By the Spirit of God, he wants us to grasp this because we, we are to grow up. And what he means by grow up into salvation, he doesn't mean we earn salvation. What he's saying is the salvation that you have and God saved you for, we we have to grow into it. We have to grow. We're not gonna, look, we don't become Christians and become perfect. We don't automatically look like Jesus and everything changes and we never sin again. We're continually growing up into it as we live this life. And one day we'll find perfection when we see him face to face. But this whole time we're gonna be growing up. And we wanna do that by desiring the pure spiritual milk of him and the word. And just Lord, bring it like like my like my daughter, where she was just like, I want, want milk so bad. Let us crave the formula of the scriptures. Is it okay if we just say, well, it's not everybody. Just all just a couple. As long as there's a couple people I don't get along with, and I'm like, okay, maybe like being envious of and slandering is fine. Most people, I'm good. Is that okay? And I would say, well, I don't know. I, I mean, it's between you and God. I don't know the long run, I would say this, that, no, well, let me say this. Let me go back. No, it's not. All right? Let me say emphatically, no, it's not. Everybody. But what I don't know about is that what, what he says here at the very end is a warning. Look, you are to you are to love one another. You're to do this. As, if you have been you know, brought into this new uh, spiritual life, being born again, and you're craving the spiritual milk, you're growing up into salvation, and then he and that means loving each other and growing in love for each other, but then Peter says well, let me just make a, a caveat if, indeed you have actually tasted that the Lord is good meaning, I think that Peter has in his mind that some people that are reading his letter have not tasted I mean, they're there Maybe they're not loving each other, and he's trying to encourage them. He's like, well, it could be that you just simply haven't tasted that the Lord is good yet. You have not been born again. You don't have this new life. You have not been purified. You are not, you are not an infant that is trying to drink because you've never tasted the goodness of the formula of God. That's never existed in you. And if that's the case, then we, then we don't have to start with love one another. We have to start with recognize your need for one who loves you before you love one another. Look, if you have not tasted that the Lord is good in here, maybe you know, maybe you're sitting here going, I don't think I've tasted that the Lord is good. I'm not sure I've actually believed in the gospel I would say, well, if that's the case, then don't begin with just something to do. Look, the the one thing that can kill your trust in the Lord is to simply try to do really good things because the Bible says it without being alive with the imperishable seed of the Spirit. If you try simply to earn your way to salvation because the Bible says to be good without having God do a work in you by his Spirit where it dwells in you, then you are just trying to live a good life but there is no life to do it what you need is not just do good things and love one another what you need is to hear is jesus christ died for your sin you might have heard it a thousand times and what you need is to taste for the very first time that the lord is good and the lord is good if that's you if you're not a christian the lord is good there is, a, there is an imperishable seed, a, a born againness that you need to experience. You need to see that you, you are, your flesh is dying. You will die one day, and you will stand before the living God face-to-face because this flesh is, is on its way out. Every single one of us in this room, 100% death rate, it's gonna happen. All right? One way or another, it's gonna happen. You might live to 120 I hope that's not me. But if that's you, maybe it's the case. Um, but if that's the case, then you're, you're still going to die, even if you live a long time, and you will see Jesus face to face, and you're going to say to him, can I come in because I've done really good things, and I've loved one another, and he's going to say, you never trusted me. Depart from me, for I never knew you. And may it be in this room that we don't have anybody in here. May it be 100% death rate and 100% welcome rate. Welcome to the joy of the kingdom. Welcome in. I knew you. you you've been born again. You have, you have imperishable seed by, of the spirit in you. I, I, just, I pray that that's the case in this room. I, I want all of us to taste that the Lord is good. If you've tasted that the Lord is good, you have zero excuses to not love each other. Zero. If you have malice and anger and envy and deceit and hypocrisy and all of this towards one another, then that's on you and you're gonna have to answer for that before Jesus Christ, Christian. Because he calls us to something different than this. A lack of love, and I would say a lack of your love or my love towards one another, it reveals a lack of gospel growth. We just haven't understood fully what the gospel does and what it promises and and who actually lives within us. So how do we live this out? Two ways we can live this out. The first is this, ask this question, where am I feeling malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, or slander towards somebody? Where, where, Where are you feeling that? Look, to, to grow in any way that we're going to grow, whether it's personal, whether it's organizational, whatever it is, the first thing you have to do is define the current reality. I said this last week, I'll probably say it all the way through First Peter, because so much of this is about how we live here as Christians. We have to define where we are. Do you, does it ever exist in you? So like you think about somebody, especially a Christian, and you think, yeah, I just don't, man, that person drives me crazy, and I've told people about it. Man, I'm jealous of what that person has, and I don't like them because of it. I've lied about this person. We're, I mean, we have to define that, and don't just say, "I think I'm fine." I'd say, "Probably, chances are you're not, because you're human like me." There's probably someone. I mean, I. How, but you have to figure that out. Where is that, and make it right. Make it right. This is what it. This is Peter's calling us to this, meaning that the Spirit of God's calling us to this. He dwells within us. What does that mean for you? Are you going to take the Bible seriously or not? Are we walking with Jesus or are we not? So ask that question and make it right. Define the current reality. And the second I'd say this, is that find and see the love of Jesus and do likewise. Look, this is the easiest application. Julie, I'm going to have you guys come on up here and, and uh, we're going to sing. Um, or we're going to take communion, but we're going to sing after that. We, we want to uh, see Jesus Peter's, if I would boil, Peter's point down is gospel growth matters. It, it forces us to love. You know why? Because in the gospel, we have the perfect demonstration of what it means for us to love each other. If there was any person that could have had malice and deceit, and, I mean, all of this towards people, especially malice and anger, it would have been Jesus who was wrongfully accused, who did nothing wrong, and he, who was lied about. And yet, what, he, what did he do? He, and, and also, we were all enemies of his. And yet, what did he do? He died for us. Why? Because he loved us. This is what it means for us to be Christians and love one another. This is what it means to have agape love. This deeper love, this, this fierce love for each other. This is what Peter means. See the love of Jesus and do likewise. One of our values, we have four of them. One of them is being passionately One. And the reason that's one of our values is because as we look at the Bible, we say, this is what the Bible calls us to. Being passionately one together. Being passionately together. Because we look at Jesus and we say, this is who, this is what he, who he is and this is how he functions. Look, growth together in this will happen in community. We need help. Are you in community? Do you have a community group? Are you spending time with people? Are you getting some coffees? Do you go into men's or women's events, or you spending time here on Sundays, you serving? Where, where are you finding community so that we can live this out properly? Because we don't want to be a people that just takes the Bible and says, ah, I mean, it says it, but I don't have to do it. I would say, mm, no, the Bible calls us to action based upon the work of Jesus for us. And so we want to be those that actually Listen to that and to walk it out. Church, may we be increasingly, as we go through 1 Peter, a a group of people who loves deeply one another. They will know us by our love one for another. The world is watching. May May we live it out in such a way to proclaim him through how we love each other. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for us and then we'll take communion. Lord, thank you. Thank you this morning for our time opening the Bible. Your word is absolutely true. It does call us to be like you. The only way we can actually do this is by the work of your spirit. We have resurrection power that flows through us to live out these truths of the Bible and what you call us to, to be your people. May we increasingly be a church that is not just growing numerically, although I pray that that is the case, would you bring new people in, but also that is growing in in our depth of understanding and knowledge and love to to obey you and to walk with you. Lord, we, we just pray that you would do that in us. May it be so. Your name. Amen. I really hope that you were encouraged by the sermon today. You can learn more about us at anchorchurchgilbert.com. We'd love to have you join our mailing list. You can do that on the website. If you have any questions for us about who Jesus is, please let us know through our website. I hope that you were encouraged.